This is Greg Denweiler, and you are listening to another episode of The Dividend Mailbox, a podcast about dividend growth. Our goal is to stuff your mailbox full of dividend checks and make each year's check larger than the last. Welcome to another edition of the Dividend Mailbox, episode 15. Today we're going to talk about 3M. It's been in our portfolio for a long time, and we've continued to buy it over the last uh, decade or more. Recently, the stock hasn't been performing too well, but it's going to be a great illustration of dividend growth, which will lead us into 10xing your income. and the concept of what I'm going to call the future dividend self. Finally, we'll look at predictions and forecasts. Are they really that important? I'm not even going to tell you right now. I'll let you listen to see what our opinion is. So let's begin with 3M, another great dividend growth story. And originally, we bought this stock back in 2005, in October of 2005. I paid $76 for it, and we have accumulated it over time, added more to our portfolios here in the last year or so. So one question you might ask is, okay, why why 3M? When I originally looked at it, the stock was a dividend growth stock. It's, uh, it's what they call a dividend aristocrat. They've grown the dividend for more than 25 years, and it's a company that's been around forever. They have a wide range of products, from adhesives to advanced materials, compounds, films, coatings, office supplies, over 60,000 products, and they have over 100,000 patents. The materials that they manufacture or products that they manufacture, they really touch virtually everything. They've been a leading innovator. They usually come in in a a top 10 list as far as companies from an innovation standpoint, and they've been there for decades. So, you know, it's just a great R&D company. Their brands, they're high quality. They're perceived as high quality. They typically charge a 20 to 30% premium above their competitors. But people are more than willing to pay it because it's known as a very high quality company. Well. Right now, the stock is $125 a share, and that is up from where we bought it originally, but the stock actually had a peak in 2018 of 260 so it has come down quite a bit from that level, and even just recently, the stock was at $200 last year. The reason is pretty simple. The company right now is facing some real uncertainty with some litigation that's outstanding, which we'll touch on in a minute. So let's look at the company's dividend. 3M has grown their dividend in the last 20 years from $1.20 to almost $6, which is a little over 8% a year. In the last 10 years, the dividend has grown by a little over 10% a year. In the last five years, it's grown by 6% a year. Just a great dividend growth story, which is what we want to see. 
If you look at the payout ratio, the stock roughly pays about 50% of its profits out over time, a little above, a little below the trend line. And based on the current earnings estimates of $10 right now, the dividend payout is a little bit above 50%. So it's still an attractive company that can grow its dividend over time, which is one of the reasons why we still hold it. If you look at R&D expenses, this is one place where the company really shines. They usually spend about 5 to 6% consistently of their revenue towards R&D. Because of that, they earn about 20% on their uh, invested capital, which is higher than virtually all their competitors. And that has held steady for the last few decades. The one point where there's a little bit of a yellow flag the debt to equity ratio was about 50% 20 years ago, got as low as uh, a little over 30%. Right now, it's slightly over one times, meaning for every dollar of equity, they basically have slightly more than a dollar of debt, but still not something that I think is, uh, is prohibitive. Over the last 20 years, they have been buying stock back. They've bought 37% of it back. Last 10 years, they bought 18% of it back. So there, you're increasing shareholder value just because there's fewer shares out there to divide the profits up. So what you have is a disciplined company. The company is, uh, is extremely profitable. It is a leader in its space for innovation. They've really grown shareholder value, built shareholder wealth over time. And I would call it a GDP plus company. If the economy grows, 3M is going to grow, and it should grow a little bit more. So that's a summary of why we like 3M and why we've been investing in it over the years. More recently, in the last year, we purchased more of the stock around the $160 range. But now we've got the stock down to $125. What's going on with 3M? It's been a great company. It's well-managed. It's disciplined. But why has the stock come down? Well, there's a big unknown out there. A few decades ago, they bought a company called Aero Technologies. And one of the things that Aero Technologies did was produce earplugs for the military. And during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, Aero supplied the U.S. military with earplugs that actually functioned in two different ways, depending on which way you, you put them in your ear which was unique from that standpoint. On one side, if you put the earplug in, it would drown out the heavy sounds, but you could carry on a conversation. If you flip the earplug around, um, it was designed to, to muffle all sound. So if you look at what's happening today, there's roughly 230,000 ex-military plaintiffs that are alleging that the earplugs were faulty so there's a huge unknown as to what exactly the liability the company is going to end up being. So the stock has come down, and part of it is just due to the fact that the market um, has had a rough year. But 3M has come down more than just what the overall market has experienced. And this is obviously due to the liability or the potential liability of these lawsuits that are hanging out there. There's been 16 that have, that have gone through trial. 3M has won about 40% of them. Plaintiffs have won the rest. 
But what we don't know is just what that number is going to end up being. There's estimates from as low as a billion all the way up to as high as a hundred billion. So you're faced with a dilemma here. If 3M ends up with a liability that's a hundred billion dollars or close to that, it's most likely not going to be a dividend grower going forward. Then you get into the situation that they could quite possibly cut the dividend. Or if it was a quick settlement, which really never happens in these kind of situations, you know, it could even bankrupt the company. But the reality is these things don't get settled quickly. They're usually over multiple decades. You have to step back. Do you really want to sell the company because you have this unknown out there? You know, if you're going to look at things that only have blue sky in front of them, you're not going to own hardly anything. The bigger problem is if it looks like the company just has a great future, you're really not going to be in the value space. You're going to be paying a huge premium. If you look at price versus value and you go back to the uh, October 2005 price of $76, they had earnings of $3.98. So I actually paid $19 for each dollar of earnings. Well, currently at $125, their estimates are that they're going to earn $10 this year. Well, now the stock only trades 12 and a half times its current earnings or $12 for each dollar of earnings. So the stock actually has better value in it today than it did when I first bought it. And the dividend, the starting dividend is much higher. So right now, we just don't know, but the stock is very reasonably priced. You've got a high-quality company. The dividend's almost 5%, so at this point, they don't even have to grow it that much. And I think we at least want to hold it. And here's another thing to keep in mind, too. When a stock, uh, when a stock is cheap, representing the uncertainty, that potentially creates opportunities in and of itself. If you go back and look at Philip Morris, Here you have a company that was sued by all 50 states. There were a few tobacco companies that were involved in this, but Philip Morris was the big player. The suit was over $250 billion in total because of all the issues out there with smoking. We don't need to get into that. But because the cash flow is so strong at Philip Morris, they continue to pay their dividend. And because the stock has always been relatively inexpensive, it comes back to the power of compounding. You still have Philip Morris that was one of the best performing stocks going back 50 years, going through 2021. So you can still have a big cloud of uncertainty. It can still be a great investment if you hold it just from the compounding of dividends. Now, I will say we don't own it. We've never owned it. But it's just a great example of how uncertainty is not the end of the world. The great thing about dividends is they can cover a multitude of sins. In one way, I want to also illustrate this. In 3M's case, we first bought it and we paid $76 a share. You fast forward to today and we've received a total of 64 a little over $64 of dividends. So that leaves us with a cost basis per share of a little over $11. That's if I subtract all the dividend income that I've earned from it. The difference between 11 and 125, there, I have 10 times my money, and the stock is only up um, not quite two times what I paid for it. Dividends 
have a huge impact on your total return. And in this case, if I was just investing for price, I would be up less than two times on my money over the last 15 plus years. But because of the dividend income, I'm up over 10 times. So let's even look at this at a little different angle. $5.96 for a dividend. The yield on the original investment is 7.8% based on what I originally paid for it. But then if you change the perspective to we only have $11 invested in it now based on all the cash flow that we've received, from that angle, we're now earning over a 50% dividend yield on an annualized basis. One of the big takeaways of this, you're always going to get surprises. Virtually every company is going to do it on some level or another. You know, again, if you've held a stock for a while and it's been a good dividend payer, that's really going to help out the volatility of a stock. They can still become great performers. But if you've just purchased something, you just haven't had enough dividends to really offset anything. That's why you want to own a portfolio of these things. They don't all work and the timing on all these things is going to be different. So I think this is a good transition over to the next thing that I'm going to call your future dividend investing self. What do you want your future investing self to have? A 10x income or a higher stock price? The answer to that question should drive everything you do now. I think it's a whole lot easier to 10x your income as opposed to 10xing a stock price. And the mindset of a dividend investor is going to allow you to do that. When you're looking at dividend growth, you're really focusing on that sustainable dividend. And as I've used in the example of 3M, you're just looking at consistency and you're letting compounding do all the hard work. If you're looking at trying to 10x a price, you're really doing all the work because you have to find something that's got a huge catalyst behind it and you have to be right. It has to be a somewhat unique idea or it just doesn't have that kind of capability of price move in it. Part of that's the whole concept of the efficient market. The risk you take to try to 10x the price of a stock is a lot higher. Let's just look at what it actually takes to 10x your income. If we look at the just the S&P 500, um, as I've stated in past podcasts, the dividend growth has been 6% over the last century. Well, if you grow your dividends by um, 6% a year in 40 years, you'll 10x your income. Well, I can only imagine you're probably thinking, there's no way I want to wait around 40 years. Well, the story gets a little better. There's a couple of uh, index funds out there that just invest in dividend growth. One of them we've mentioned before is Noble or ProShare Dividend Aristocrat Fund. And then you also have DGRW, which is the Wisdom Tree Dividend Growth Index Fund. Well, Noble has grown its dividend in the last eight years by 11% a year. DGRW has grown its dividend by 10%. Reason why we're using eight years is because the funds go back to 2014 when they started. So that's all the farther back we can go with those. If you grow your dividend by 9% a year, 27 years, you will have 10x your dividend income. And if you grow it by 11%, it actually cuts it down to 23 years. Even if you're a 50-year-old investor, you can potentially 10x your income 
in your expected lifespan of roughly 85 years. So it starts to get more feasible. And you got to think, well, that's still a long time. Just think about this. If you have a $10,000 income right now, 27 years, 23 years, you're talking about 10Xing it. At that point, you have a $100,000 income, which is going to most likely beat inflation. It's going to beat most everything out there you can do, whether it's investing in commodities, real estate. You may be thinking, you know, that's still a long time. Well, let's make a little more reasonable expectation and just use 5X. Let's go back to the uh, to the 6% growth of the S&P 500 dividend. We've grown it by five times in 28 years. If we go to 9%, we've grown it in 19 years. And if we grow it at 11%, now we're down to 16 years. You can do it with the S&P 500. It's just not going to be quite as fast as if you focus more on dividend growth. So if you have a $20,000 income in 16 years, it could potentially be at 100000 I think the point here is that it's a whole lot easier to grow your income by 10x than it is to try to grow your portfolio, the price appreciation, by 10x. So to kind of move on, let's touch on market predictions and forecasting. Because as I'm sure you're all aware, with interest rates, with um, inflation, are we going to go into a recession? Are we already in a recession? How's that going to impact the market? Predictions and forecasts are just coming fast and furious. If anything, maybe they've gotten a little wider than in general. No matter what environment you're in, you're always going to have outlier predictions and forecasts. The problem is people are not really accountable. And if they hit one of these things, they get their quick moment of fame. So this poses a question. Is there any real value in these predictions or forecasts? Personally, I think it's perfectly normal to look at them and say, well, have I missed something here? And this is the part where most people can't get past this. The risk is they tend to influence you and potentially take you to a place where it's just contrary to your long-term investment goals. Because in the end, You just don't know. Howard Marks put a memo out um, last week. He's a partner in the firm Oak Tree Capital Management. They're a $100 billion plus investment firm that mainly looks at distressed debt. But he does a great memo. I don't subscribe to everything he says, but this latest one was entitled The Illusion of Knowledge. And I think he does a really good job of just going through and looking at how these predictions and forecasts are really not useful. And he quotes several prominent economists, investors, people in business. He gives their perspective. The first one was by John Kenneth Galbraith. He was a famous economist back in the mid-1900s. He said there are two kinds of forecasters, those who don't know and those who don't know they don't know. Then there's Daniel Borstein. Uh, The greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. Ian Wilson, he's a former GE executive. No amount of sophistication is going to allay the fact that all of your knowledge is about the past and all your decisions are about the future. 
Then there's Peter Bernstein, one of the core um, people that helped form the efficient market theory. He says, forecasts create the mirage that the future is knowable. And here's one you've probably heard before. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And that was by Mark Twain. Warren Buffett is known for saying, forecasts usually tell us more of the forecaster than of the future. Albert Einstein said, I never think about the future. It comes soon enough. Now, a great quote by Morgan Household. He's a partner in a venture capital fund. He has a book out, The Psychology of Money, which is a great book, just looking at the mindset that you really need to accumulate wealth. And he states, the inability to forecast the past has no impact on our desire to forecast the future. Certainty is so valuable that we never give up the quest for it, and most people couldn't get out of bed in the morning if they were honest about how uncertain the future is. So the problem with forecasting is, is that most people just draw a linear conclusion from the past to the future. But one of the things that Howard Marks mentions in his memo, you just don't realize the number of assumptions and inputs that are required. From an economic standpoint, there are hundreds of thousands, probably even millions of variables to consider. You don't look at the number of processes, relationships that have to be incorporated, how they interact with each other, and the role of randomness and the likelihood of surprises. How many people predicted that the economy was going to be shut down in 2020? Before it happened, basically nobody. Russia invading uh, Ukraine, there's always surprises and there is no way to predict them. So here's another thought, just how predictions and forecasts can change. So Annie Oakley, you know, I'm sure you all are, are aware of that name. Um, she was a, she was a well-known sharpshooter back in the late 1800s, early, early 1900s. She is reported to have shot a cigarette out of Kaiser Wilhelm's mouth. If she would have just missed by a few inches, we quite likely wouldn't have had World War I. There wouldn't have been a depression for Germany over the 1930s, which probably would have kept us out of World War II. That alone could have just changed history. Now, history still would have unfolded. We would have had other wars because that's what happens. But who in the world could have predicted all of those outcomes? And it's the smallest little action that could change everything. So when you hear somebody predicting a recession a year from now, or that the market's got another 20% to fall, or inflation's going to be this, or employment's going to be that, the problem you have is none of these people are looking at all the variables. There's just so many more that people aren't even aware about and how they're interconnected how one may affect another today could literally change in 24 hours. And we sort of see that in the marketplace from day to day. These, these people that are trying to make exact predictions, it's really almost totally ridiculous. You know, you do have to make some general predictions. 
we make a prediction when we wake up in the morning that we're probably going to make it through the day or otherwise you can't function. But in the end, you don't know. People in general, they want to go to work. They want to take a trip. They want a decent quality of lifestyle. And consequently, over time, the economy just grows. That is a prediction, but it's basically just, in my opinion, it's really just predicting that there's somewhat of a normal lifestyle and that over time, it just continues on. So to wrap up, I think all of these topics really are, are tied together. And I hope you realize that you really don't need to predict anything on a day-to-day, month-to-month, even you know year-to-year level. It's just a matter of looking at the broad prediction of the economy over time is going to grow. And if you have good dividend growth stories, it's just a matter of being patient and you can 10x your portfolio income. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like more information regarding dividend growth or just our style of investing, go to growmydollar.com. There you will find some of our previous podcasts and also our monthly newsletter. If you have any questions or anything to add regarding today's podcast, email ethan at growmydollar.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Each investor should consider whether a strategy is right for them and all the risk involved. Dividend stocks are volatile and can lose money.